Welcome to the Joplin Andrea podcast, where we discuss all things faith, family, and fun. I'm Andrea here with my husband and co-host Joplin. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody. Hope you're having a great Friday. We're excited to have Russell Sowers with us today. As most of you know, Andrea and I have been doing ministry work in Honduras since 2017. And the organization that we partner with is a group called Sowers for Pastors. And today we have Russell Sowers, who is the field director for the organization, pretty much the guy that makes everything go around these days. And uh, we're excited to have him on the show. We are going to do a little bit of talking about um, specifically the ministry in Honduras. But what we wanted to talk to Russell about today was just the life of a missionary and what it was like uh, growing up as a missionary's kid. Uh, Russell moved to Honduras when he was 11 years old, been there for 20 years, and so a lot of uh, life experience to talk to us about life on the mission field. So Russell, thank you for being with us today. Thank you guys for having me so much. I think this is my second time on the podcast because we did one in Honduras. In Honduras, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, awesome. just thank you guys so much for, for uh, having me on with you guys. And yeah, excited to be here. Well, welcome to the studio. Yeah. So Russell was with us last week, uh, came through the Well Worship Center to pick up backpacks. And how many backpacks did we send off this year? Um, like 215, I think. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, yeah, they came, a lot. Yeah, came thank you to, to uh, all of you who backpacks make backpacks. Yeah, we figured while he was here, we would have him join us for a podcast. Yes, absolutely. Andrew, where are we going to start? What do we want to know about? Uh, well, you know, all right, a missionary here with us. Where are we going to start? Yeah. So uh, tell us at eleven years old when, like, you know, was it your dad or your mom, or did they both sit down and be like, "Hey, we're thinking about becoming full time missionaries"? Like, what was that like for you as an eleven year old? And just the experience of um, as 11 going to a different country, like where you didn't know the language and stuff. It was really awesome. Um, my parents had talked about going on the mission field since before they were married. And so growing up, that was always something that we had grown up knowing at some point we might move there to the mission field. And so, um, yeah, I was homeschooled, lived in Maryland. And um, my dad came home one day and he was like, we gotta, we gotta change some life decisions because we're not going down the path that God wants us. We said, we wanna go to the mission field and we need to do this. Wow. And so um, they brought all of us kids. I am one of six kids at that time. There were five of us. Um, the, my older sister was 13. My youngest sister was four at the time. And so they got us all together and said, we're gonna move to Central America. So yeah, it was uh, pretty life-changing, as you guys can imagine. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Did anybody speak the language? Uh, no, so we started taking Spanish classes at that point. It took us about a year from when the decision was made that we were going to the mission field. Uh, my dad pretty much knew that we were gonna go to Latin America. They started scoping out where in Latin America he um, wanted to be involved with and put his construction skills to, to use. Um, we ended up moving to a Caribbean island that is part of Honduras originally, where they speak English, but it is a very Caribbean kind of Jamaican English, if you will, uh, island English. And um, so a little bit different, but we were able to, to um, communicate with them. Um, but they also spoke Spanish since it's part of Central America and part of Honduras. So we started learning Spanish. And so we had about a, a year of Spanish before, before moving. 
All right. What What was it like growing up? So you're 11 years old, uh, really right in the middle of, of your childhood. What was it like moving to another country and growing up there? What was school like? How were you received? Uh, what are some of your memories as a kid? Uh, it was really awesome for me. I don't know if my some of my other siblings would have that same uh-huh. <laughs> description of, of how it was. But for me growing up, um, so it was the majority of my teenage years were on the island. And it was really awesome because um, everybody was really pro-North American, pro us being there, helping their, their island, helping out the community. And so all the guys um, really liked hanging out with me. I was, you know very social. Uh, some of my other siblings were definitely more bookworms and stayed home a little bit and didn't socialize as much. But for me personally, it was really great uh, out fishing a lot, uh, you know, living on a Caribbean island. It was it was pretty, pretty amazing. So yeah. catching snakes, catching snakes, catching iguanas, fishing other Yikes. crazy tropical Latino rodents and things, all kinds of crazy food and awesome stuff. You guys were in an area of the world where some of the largest native boa constrictors, right? Yes, yes. Or pythons. I know, boa constrictors. Boa constrictors, boa constrictors yes. Yeah, because I've seen a picture of you with like about a six or eight footer, might have yeah. been longer than that, that, was, that you picked up in the wild. Yes. Yeah, so Andrea's terrified of snakes. She couldn't handle that. No. Yeah, no. She would have I... passed out and then been strangled to death by yeah probably I have a, so. <laughs> probably a bad habit that i yeah i'm kind of into snakes and so i've had a had a tendency that if we are out doing stuff and we come across a snake it needs to be held so um oh. yeah um it has happened on a number of occasions <laughs> yeah <laughs> feeling a little scared yeah <laughs> Oh, goodness. Okay, so what took you guys from, um, like, the island to where you're at now? So, originally, when we moved to the island, um, my parents, when we moved there, so um, my mom, there were five of us uh, at that point, uh, pretty much dedicated all of her time to homeschooling us. So, we were homeschooled Mm -hmm. even on the mission field, very common for a lot of missionary families. Uh, But my dad's um, expertise in construction was that we were going to build a hospital on the islands. Um, the mission organization that we were with ended up falling up um, apart. They were not able to continue forward with the with the construction. But we um, ended up doing a lot of uh, stuff, other stuff on the island. We constructed a, a youth um, community building mm-hmm. where uh, we were able to do church services and 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 minister to youth and whatnot. Um, but after being on the island for a while, my parents. Um, ended up adopting a Honduran boy, my youngest brother, so there are now six of us. And um, we decided that being on the island was not where we, our, our expertise was best used, um, felt called to moving to the mainland. So we actually did a big family road trip where we took a month and we drove throughout all of Honduras wow. and looked where was the greatest need, where were there not missionaries, where were we feeling called to. Hmm. Uh, at that point, we were limited to being to staying in Honduras because of my youngest brother not being able to leave the country. So, um, yeah, we we started this road trip around Honduras and ended up deciding that we wanted to be in Western Honduras. So we ended up in the mountains of Western Honduras in Gracias. Specifically. Okay. Yeah. Very neat. Very neat. And I know you guys have did a lot of construction projects there because we've been able to see them. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very neat. Yeah. Um, and we can talk more about what the 
ministry looks like now in a second but do you have like uh any kind of fun stories that you'd like to share like growing up because culturally it's different there than it is here um and i don't know do you just have any any yeah fun well, memories that... yeah there are definitely some um you know there are, my dad grew up in southeast asia so he has all kinds of crazy stories that you know aren't mine so for him when we were in in the island specifically he doesn't he didn't think a lot of the things were weird that my mom who was from the suburbs in Maryland, definitely thought were pretty crazy. So there would be like, you know, the milk guy would show up and he'd bring you unpasteurized milk, warm, just milked half right. an hour ago yeah. from in, in used bleach bottles. Oh. And because, you know, they didn't have, you know, you weren't buying, Resources. they weren't, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the, the, the local fish guys, they'd show up at your door and be like, hey, you want to buy fish? And so the first time she, um, she was like, yeah. And they were like, how many pounds? And she was like, uh, five and so you know they bring out weigh the fish and then hand it to her and she's expecting like a cut up fish or something and though it's just a whole fish head guts everything not <laughs> scaled nothing you're just like it's fresh because <laughs> it's still kicking but you know you're, <laughs> oh, she no. was definitely not expecting uh, that but you know that's the norm um how funny you know We'll, we'll avoid any snake stories. I have some snake stories, but they would be long and, and <laughs> not the time, I guess. So, uh, but um, yeah, yeah, just it was really awesome for me growing up being there in the teenage years. Um, one time we were out fishing in a canoe and we caught, uh, we got a, about a five foot uh, hammerhead shark on the line oh, and it in a canoe. Drug, uh, in a canoe and it drug us about two miles out to sea. So, me and the guy I was with in the canoe. Uh, we eventually were able to catch the shark and oh, kill it from my. the side of our canoe, but then we had to paddle and tow. The shark was too big to put in the canoe, so we had to tow it back with us and the shark splitting. And we're like, "What if other sharks come along?" So, <laughs> so oh, but that was yeah, that was a crazy, crazy time. But yeah, lots of fun on the islands. Lots of fun growing up on yeah. the ocean field. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, one thing that I can think of, and we just watched this happen, like. A year ago was that you just climbed a however many feet tower to help a radio station get there yes yeah there's another mission organization there near us and they have a christian radio and they didn't really have a guy that wasn't afraid a stunt of guy? Uh, yeah so a stunt <laughs> guy yeah we'll go with that so they were like hey we need to change the light bulb and do some repairs to the tower and um they were like hey were any of your honduran guys that work for you because i have a crew of about 10 guys that work for me um that are very hands-on. We're like, would any of them want to climb the tower? And I was like, no, but I want to climb the tower. <laughs> so yeah. So where do I sign um, up? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I like crazy things. So uh, uh, probably good that I live in Central America, right? Yeah, so yeah. yeah, that's funny. So, well, those are fun stories. <laughs> so you guys have been there for 20 years. Um, that's a long tenure for um, missionaries. And it's obvious. Uh, you settled in your roots. You guys have decided to dedicate your life there. <laughs> So I would like to know, how do you guys gauge success? How do you gauge successful missionary work? When you look at what you've done, how do you say, this is why we stick to it, because this is where we are making an impact for the kingdom? Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, for us at our small organization, uh, part of that is looking at, and you know, um, for those of you viewing that don't know this about us, our organization, Southshire Pastors, um, we're all about empowering the locals, and our um, our um, go-to slogan is right there on Pastor Joplin's shirt, empowering Honduran pastors. So, um, you know, that's what it's all about for us. 
And um, so I think part of it is just being able to see, like, if at any point, for whatever reason, we had to leave, have we done anything? What would stay behind? What would? Uh, and so by partnering with these uh, hunter and pastors, we're able to see, okay, as these churches are growing, as we're seeing new churches being planted, um, things that are way bigger than just us and what we're able to feel that we've accomplished, we've at least helped them in that direction. And these churches would continue without us. And, you know, as we come alongside them and help them, we are limited as to how much we can do and how much we can help them with. You know, we're just able to see that they're the ones doing the work and they're the ones succeeding. And so to be able to say, okay, we help them do that. And whether or not we're able to continue to do anything to help them, the work will go on. That definitely feels like you know, success. And as we see, you yeah. know, more villages reached with the gospel, it's definitely, you know, amazing. Just a ballpark. How many total churches have you guys worked with, helped, served over the course of the last 20 years? Um, over the last 20 years, there's probably been about 1,500 churches that we've helped in some way, shape, or form. Um, some of the churches that we've helped, we just helped them with the construction project, and then that was it. And we've you know, turned and helped other people with that. And so we've, you know, potentially even lost contact with some of them and we just go, okay, they asked for help with the construction project. We helped and then we moved to a different village to continue helping in a different place because, you know, we're definitely trying to spread ourselves thin, you know, having, you know, helped over the last 20 years, over 1,500 churches, you don't necessarily have that in-depth of relationship with some of them. And so we use um, the different um, supervisors of churches. A supervisor down there would be considered somebody who's like an overseer of multiple churches. And so they're just helping um, each different church get what they need and get resources. And so we're able to come alongside and say, okay, we can help this church. And so even though later on we maybe not have the most in-depth relationship with them, whereas other churches we do have a more in-depth relationship, especially like the ones that we have our sponsorship programs with, but we're able to see, you know, that we helped them and they were able to continue on. And, you know, and, the, and then our end goal is, you know, the work is that's of, of um, evangelizing to the Honduran people is on the Honduran pastors, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, me as one person or, you know, my team of people at the organization, um, we could only do so much. But through partnering with these Honduran pastors, we're able to do so much more. Yeah. And it's actually them that are reaching their own people with the gospel. That's one of the things I really, really um, appreciate and um, have the same vision for about you guys' ministry is the reality that the, the church helps the church the most when we empower the local church. You know, as Americans, um, sometimes we're kind of a high-minded people, and we think that our way is always best. And what we want to do is we go, we want to take our American church, and we want to go into other countries and Americanize church, and it doesn't actually work very well. You know, we wouldn't want we wouldn't want the opposite done. Definitely, yeah. we, we wouldn't expect some you know German-speaking, German-raised pastor to come plant a church right here in Derby, Kansas. And I can assure you that if he did, he'd have a couple of people that would come. They might have a decent church. But the best way to reach the people here in Derby, Kansas is to reach it with people who are familiar with the culture and the people. And so coming alongside these Honduran pastors and empowering them and their churches to reach their communities I cannot applaud you guys enough mm-hmm. for that vision to, to do it that way. 
and um, yeah, just something I really, really get behind. Um, it's a platform that we've adopted at Extra Mile Missions, just that concept of empowering native pastors, local church to reach its people. So mm-hmm. I just want to tell you guys, I appreciate that about your ministry. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, also, you guys do bridges. Tell us a little bit about your bridge projects. What, why, what do you do with bridges? Why do you do bridges? Awesome. So bridges. So, you know, as I was saying before, my dad's background is in construction here in the States before he moved to Honduras. And the reason for moving to Honduras was definitely construction missions and helping with, with that stuff. Um, and that's why we have a tendency towards doing construct, church construction and things like that. Uh, we've realized in our area of the country that there's just a huge lack of infrastructure. There's a lot of villages that they have to walk down through the river to get to town to buy stuff for them to take grandma to you know the hospital you know they just don't have so the river river swells and there's no way for them to get to and from their village and so um my dad being very into bridges um decided okay how can we how can we help this um and it's kind of you know we're we're very into sweat equity um and and we expect the hunters who partner with us to um you know do the hard work and, and be involved in, in whatever project that we're helping them accomplish. You know, and like I said, we're empowering them. So it's kind of our way of one of the things that we want to do to show them that, you know, we're willing to work hard. We're willing to come alongside you. What is a need? You know, we want to help you guys out. And so uh, my dad has partnered with a number of engineers to design different bridge styles. And we come alongside the, the local community and the local government. And um, we raise some funds and they... Um, the local government pays for part of the bridges, and then the community has to bring in um, men to help do build the construction. So we'll come along and have volunteers that will help us build the bridge. And we do a, a, um, a huge variety of different bridges. We have small, like, hanging suspension cable bridges or just for pedestrians, just walking, you know. They could take horses and cattle and stuff across or drive a motorcycle across, but they're definitely specifically or designed for not vehicles, just for people. Then we have bigger um, cable bridges that we actually drive cars across. And then we also have like huge bridges that we built that are actually like solid concrete bridges that are like highway bridges. So we have one of those, we built a bridge, um, it's been a couple years now, but we built our biggest bridge that we built is a 320 feet long two lane highway, something similar to what you would see in America, actually, mm-hmm. kind of kind of similar. It's yeah, it's, it's a big bridge. Um, yeah, it's an incredible bridge. And what's mind blowing to me is that over there, they don't have concrete trucks. And so they mix the concrete by hand in five gallon buckets and have, you know, multitudes of guys that are just taking their turn, yeah, grabbing a five gallon bucket and bringing it up and pouring it in. and uh it's difficult it's really difficult to picture how huge this bridge is without just seeing it and know that they poured it by hand it's mind-blowing to me but it's an entirely different culture they don't have the same equipment that we have here and uh that piece of your guys's work is really an incredible work um because it's truly just sewing into the people with whom you you live your culture Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, uh, hey, you can cross the bridge if you go to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like, hey, we'll build the bridge if you guys start going to the Christian church in town. It's just, we're going to build your bridge. There's a need here, and you guys can't cross the river, and we're going to we're gonna yeah. take time to figure out a solution. 
and in the long run, you know, it has built relationships and trust with the people of Honduras that you guys yeah. are there to serve them. And uh, just can't tell you how impressed I am with a lot of the stuff that you guys do there. Um, I was going to say, let's talk for a second what the greatest need is for your ministry. Hard to hard to um, boil down to one thing, I guess. Um, so we have a number of different different opportunities and a number of different things that we're we're emphasizing on when, when we're empowering the Hondurans. And um, you know, we ha- we tend to gravitate towards you know putting roofs on churches. Um, we have a program where we help um, get uh, transportation for pastors and do most. So if we're talking about um, like physical needs that the Hondurans have that we can put behind them to, um, you know, help them and empower them. That'd be one thing. But I think I obviously our, our number one thing would definitely be prayer. You know, we, we need all the prayer we can get for both us as a ministry for the Hondurans. But uh, after that, definitely, you know, there's just a variety of ways that people can get involved. Um, you know, we have a sponsorship program, as you guys know. We have, you know, just different ways. Um, child sponsorship. Child sponsorship. And how, yeah. how many meals do you guys provide on average a week to children in Honduras? So right now we are at about 15,000 kids that get fed twice a week through one of our programs. This is in about 150, 160 different locations. Um, we buy um, the materials stateside. In the past, we've also gotten a lot of it donated for um, nutritionally fortified rice and oatmeal. And then we ship that to Honduras by the tractor trailer load, by the big shipping container. And then we um, distribute it to these feeding centers. And then at the location, the church there has to um, be willing to cook it, give a Sunday school lesson. So it's, again, we will provide part of the materials, but the Hondurans have to put in the work. So we'll have ladies there in the village that are cooking it up and then other ladies that are the Sunday school teachers. And so it comes, you know, Fantastic. along with, you know, it has to, it's not just humanitarian. We're going to hand out packages of meals. We actually cook the food at the churches. Well, I don't cook any meals. <laughs> <laughs> the ladies at the churches, you know, we're, we're not cooking the, the meals for, for 15,000 kids. That's happening at all these different locations simultaneously. So the pastor will come in to our office and uh, location and get the meals and sign up and he'll report back how many kids he has um, receiving food and then they commit to cooking the meals, giving the Bible lesson if they need um, material uh, for a Bible lesson then we will provide that and help them get Sunday school material so they can you know teach the kids about Jesus um, and so we uh, found that that's a great um, evangelistic tool in that if we're providing food at the church we're able to say hey come to church and you get fed you know you don't have to be a member of the church you don't have to and so parents who maybe are non-believers will allow their kids to come to the church and and get fed and then Right there, you know, we were able to, to present the gospel to those kids and whatnot. And it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk for just a second, too, alongside that program. We mentioned we did all these backpacks. So tell us a little bit about the backpack portion. And Awesome. So backpacks. So we have, if I'm not mistaken, last year we uh, distributed 8,000 backpacks. It might have been awesome. 10, somewhere between 8 and 10. You know, you get that many backpacks, you lose count. Yeah. But um, somewhere in that in that range. And um, we have two different ways that we're handing out backpacks. So we have individuals all across the U.S. I'm actually in the middle of my a huge road trip uh, with my sister right now. And we started out on the West Coast and we're driving state to state, picking up backpacks to have individuals all over the place that are helping pack these backpacks. Um, and we're driving one of 
you know the biggest rental truck they'll they'll, they'll rent to you so we're driving um through and picking up these backpacks and once we get them to the east coast we'll put them on a, on a boat and take them to honduras and then um get them shipped up to the to the to the mountains there and um two different things that are going on with the backpacks we have a number of different schools that have approached us that need help with backpacks and so in those locations we're, uh, we're um, distributing backpacks to help out and then on top of that we have the sponsorship program Mm-hmm. which is way more in-depth, obviously, and I assume you guys have talked about some, um, but but we are providing backpacks at the sponsorship program. And, and again, it's, you know, helping kids go to school. We can't expect, you know, Honduras to um, be better educated for the villages, the situation in the villages to improve if we don't educate the kids. So, yes, um, yeah. you know, a big emphasis on, on that, trying to, to help um, empower them so that in the future they can they can be better off. And so we distributed about 8,000 backpacks last year. Um, it's incredible. Yeah. It's so. awesome. Very awesome. So as you guys know, Andrea and I's organization, Extra Mile Missions, uh, we operate a child sponsorship program in partnership with the Well Worship Center in Honduras. And this is how these kids get their food every week. This is how they get the care that they get. This is how, you know, when we're only there we're going to be there almost six weeks in 2022 but you know when we're only there three or four times a year this is how the program operates through sours for pastors these are the guys that connected us with the village in kanoa kalakaska they're the ones that uh, help make it go around and so we couldn't do what we do without these guys Um, if you want to support their work there's a couple of ways to do it. Uh, SoursforPastors.com. And is that right? Or is it .org? It's .org. 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 And that is spelled S-O-W-E-R-S, the number four, and then pastors.org. Uh, you can go directly to... You know what? I might be mistaken. It might be .com. They might have to try both options. Cause try I'm them both. The, I'm and, not the tech guy. <laughs> and look for this face. Or... or <laughs> You can go to JoplinAndrew.com and Find just there. go to our Extra Mile Missions. Just donate a general offering and just put in the memo, Honduras Work, and we'll be a pass-through organization to get 100% of what you donate to the Sours for Pastors organization. You know, like any great organization, they're, they're doing a lot of work. It's not just one thing, whether it's feeding kids, getting kids to school, building bridges for the community, empowering local churches, getting motorcycles to pastors. They, mm-hmm. There's so much that they do, and we don't want to overwhelm you today and kind of get you lost on everything that goes on, but this is an organization that's doing a great work. We're so blessed to partner with these guys. And one of the things that we're going to do as an organization, uh, we are going to match up to $5,000 through the month of October, starting now through the month of October, we're going to match up to $5,000 specifically for motorcycles for pastors. Uh, these guys are able to get um, a motorcycle for about $2,000 turnkey to a pastor. And like everything they do, there is a requirement on the recipient to participate. And so these pastors put in some, a lot of them, their churches or their denomination helps some. And so uh, basically we meet them in the middle. And so for $1,000, we can put a motorcycle into the hands of a pastor and uh, help this pastor get his first source of transportation, 
literally be able to get around the community. Sometimes they these guys are pastoring two or three different small like home churches in a five, 10 mile radius. And so um, it's amazing what these pastors are able to do when they actually have transportation yeah. that allows them to uh, get beyond where they're capable of walking. And so we're gonna do a $5,000 matching um, fundraiser here for motorcycles. That means if we can get up to $5,000 from our donors, that will give us a total of $10,000 to provide 10 motorcycles to pastors. Those motorcycles will be delivered sometime in the November time frame. And so excited to be part of that. If you're interested in doing that, again, JoplinAndrew.com, and you'll see the uh, Empowering Local Churches deal. Give your donation. Uh, you can mail, mail it as well to Extra Mile Missions. All the information that you need to know on how to get your gift to us, you can find at JoplinAndrew.com. And we're hopeful we can provide you guys with 10 motorcycles yeah. for 10 pastors here in a month or so. Yeah, so. very exciting. Yeah. Love what you guys are doing there. We appreciate it, and we're excited to be a small part. Yeah, so. well, thank you guys so much for that. Yeah, we're and everybody who contribute. Thank you guys so much. Yes, Absolutely. we've got. Last thing I'll say, we'll let everybody go and get to the Friday. We're going to be taking so far, so far, <laughs> five mission teams into Honduras in 2022. Yeah. So we're going in February, three trips in the summer, and those trips fill up fast. So if you're interested, if you would like to travel with us to Honduras, we would love to have you travel with us. Again, all the information you need to know about our mission teams and how they work, you can find at JoplinAndrew.com. If you got questions, comments, things you want to know, you can contact us through our website, but we would love to have you join us and go see yes. what God's doing in Honduras. It's a great, great trip. And so hopefully some of our listeners will join us. Yeah, we'd love that. All right, Russell, thanks for being with us. Yes. God bless you guys. Thank you for everything that you do. And to our listeners, we hope you all have a wonderful Friday. Happy weekend. Happy weekend.